listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Talking about Jamal Adams on this Throwback Thursday as we start with the Winans. Let's go to our uh, first guest tonight. He is Rich Samini. Does a brilliant job covering the Jets on ESPN.com. Also has an outstanding podcast called The Flight Deck. Rich, how are you? Good to talk to you again. Thanks, Larry. It's been a while since we've talked. Probably, it has. Probably around it has. Post, post-draft, probably, somewhere around there. Absolutely. It's been a while. It has been a while. So, Rich, I'm, you know, as this back and forth goes on with Jamal Adams, I'm beginning to wonder if, uh, you know, I haven't seen this much action since you guys with the Roscoe Diner. <laughs> yeah. That's where they should have a meeting. It sounds like the Revis situation all over again, doesn't it? It does. In a lot of ways, it does. Well, you have a player, a defensive back, who after three years is looking for a new contract. It was the same way with Rebus. And, uh, you know, it's the same same deal now. I, the one difference now, I think social media is such a, a bigger part of the landscape now. Jamal was very active on social media and back in, in those days. When I say those days, it was 2010. It wasn't that know, long right? ago. <laughs> but, you know, Darrell pretty much kept quiet. You know, he let his agents handle that stuff whereas Jamal is really more out front voicing his opinions. Is that what you mean when you wrote uh, on, on part of your entries today on .com that I know this, they're not happy with his behavior? Yes. Uh, so from people I've talked to around this situation, they they just feel – I mean, it, there's been – I'm going to describe this. Yeah, the Jets are not happy with the way Jamal going out on social media. And it wasn't really just today. It's been mm-hmm. – you know, it happened a few days ago where he, you know, accused the Jets of no, you know, all all talk, no action, and then again today before the story broke with the um, the trade request, and really going back to last October when they were talking to teams at the deadline, and when he found out about it, you know, he went on social media and was highly critical of Joe Douglas. So, uh, and I'm told that you know things got a little bit contentious between the agent and Joe Douglas today because of the social media stuff. So um, it's it's definitely an issue. You also write in your article, Rich, that Joe Douglas is in the tough spot and there's no question he is. And I think Kay mentioned it, as you heard in the promo earlier, in that, look, what can you get that's going to equal in value what he had, what, what, Jamal Adams brings to the table for this Jet team. I mean, he plays a position, Rich, that when you look at it in the hierarchies of positions that make big money in the National Football League, of course there are exceptions, you know, quarterback, cornerback, pass rusher, uh, left tackle, and then, you know, it's a different setup from that. I mean, he's a safety, but on this team, he's invaluable, Rich. Well, he's their best player. There's no question about that. Uh, he's head and shoulders their best player. And, you know, accordingly, he wants to be paid uh, like the best player. He wants the highest salary on the team. And he could make a case for that. Uh, as for the safety argument, you know, it is a, a quote-unquote non-premium position. Uh, I think Jamal Adams' camp would argue that he's so versatile and he plays in so many different positions you know, I, I used a stat the other day. You know, he's a safety about 40% of the time, and he's really a linebacker about 40% of the time. And the other 20, he's lining up in the slot, you know, covering the receivers. So he does a lot of different things. So I'd say he's kind of a safety plus, even though there's no such thing as a safety plus, but that's mm-hmm. kind of what he is. 
And he evidently sees a great value in that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Joe Douglas. This is, this is a tough one. Your best player wants out. You know, what are you going to do? But Joe Douglas knows this. He, he has the leverage, meaning the, the Jets do. I mean, the guy's under contract for two more years. Plus, a, you know, a franchise tag. So the Jets don't have to do anything. They're holding the cards here in terms of leverage. And so that's why they could afford to, you know, really take control of the situation if, if they so choose. We mentioned the comparison at the beginning, Rich, and I'm talking to Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for ESPN.com, uh, about Darrell Rivas. I mean, did Greg Williams kind of do what Rex did with Darrell and even made him even better by putting him in this position the way he used him last year, as you pointed out? And, I mean, the guy led the team in sacks. Yeah. No, that's a really good comparison because, well, I mean, Rivas was was just such a phenomenal player at that particular time in his career. I think they just told him, you cover this guy, and he had basically one half of the field. You know, mm-hmm. just didn't have to worry about that half of the field. And with Jamal, it's a little different. Now, you're right. I think Greg Williams used him more as a blitzer. Uh, he, he rushed the passer more. Although, when you look at it, I think he had, what, five or six or seven sacks last year, and I think five of them came in two games. Uh, so it really clumped up, I think, against the Redskins. He had a field day because, you know, Haskins was so inexperienced and was really a deer in the headlights that day, and then the Jets really just took advantage of him. Um, but they did use him in, in different ways, and he he is a catalyst on the defense. There's no doubt he brings a lot of energy, but he brings the headache, too, you know, with going on recently, you know, so is it's a, it's a tough decision for the Jets. You know, it's, he, he brings a lot to the defense. There's no question about it. But I really think the way he's behaved has really turned off some people in the organization. Rich, are we even going to have football in 2020? I mean, you know, Dr. Fauci is making some statements. And, you know, you kind of thought uh, when you when we saw Greeny on, on, the, on the, uh, the return of sports Monday night and the way the NFL has packaged everything, Rich, they've really been on schedule pretty much, even though they haven't been in the building, but they've, they've held their meetings virtually. They're ready to go in buildings. Buildings are open. They're ready to make that move. And now you hear what Dr. Fauci is saying, that he would recommend they be in the bubble. Rich, there's no way you get 32 teams in a bubble in the National Football no, League. No. Yeah, you can't get one team in a bubble, let alone 32. Um, yeah, I think uh, the NFL doctor released a statement today, essentially responding for, to Dr. Fauci. And the, the short of it was the NFL's doctor said, basically, thanks for caring so much, Dr. Fauci, but we're okay. We're going to do it our way. So that was basically the cause of it. Uh, we're playing, is what they were saying. So it's going to be hard, Larry. I mean, I, do I think they'll play? Yes. Uh, will it be on time? I think, yeah, I would, I think they're going to get off on time. I think training camp is going to look different and I think they'll probably drop a couple of preseason games so they could spend more time just conditioning and making up for the time they lost in the spring. But there are so many variables that go way over my head and a lot of other people's heads that we don't even think about, you know, I mean, you got 90 guys in a locker room. I mean, yeah. how's that going to work? You know, with social distancing and um, meeting rooms, they're in, they're in tight quarters all day in meeting rooms. And, you know, there's the training room and not to say anything about practicing. You know, football is a sport where even though they don't tackle like they used to in training camp, there's still collisions and they're, you know, they're sweating and they're on top of each other. So, I mean, there's going to be breakouts. You know, there's going to be positive tests. There's no doubt about it. 
So there are a lot of hurdles to clear, and it's not going to be smooth sailing. But I, I, I guess they're going to go and give it a go. Rich, this is kind of weird. Uh, why? What's going on with the situation with John Melody? I mean, he's been training for this team. It seems like forever, and then he just gets unceremoniously kicked I, out. She, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, so that's an interesting question. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, so I wrote that a couple of days ago. The Jets essentially bounced him. I mean, he's going to be a consultant, but really, you know, that doesn't. He's he's gone from the organization on a day to day basis, and uh, I think I think what it came down to is uh, I just think uh, you know the the injuries. They had a lot of injuries last year. We all know that they had 21 guys on IR. Now, is John Melody responsible? No. It's insane to blame one person for all those injuries. However, my understanding from talking to some people, I don't think Adam Gase uh, had the greatest amount of respect for Melody. I just think there might have been something there in that relationship that uh, that didn't click for Adam. And I, I think that was the reason why. Maybe it was a personality clash or whatever. I just think that was the reason. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, you've seen guys on – I've seen – I've been contacted by former Jet players saying, what happened? How could they get rid of Melody? Mm. He was so respected, Larry, going yeah. all the way eight, – eight different head coaches he was under. And if you could last that long in the NFL <laughs> under that much change, you got to be doing something right. You know, so was he perfect? No. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just think this was Adam Gase uh, – wanting to or feeling more comfortable with Melody's assistant, Dave Zuffaletto. So I think that's what it really was. Oh, okay. Adam Gase again, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the, what people tell me, and I just talk yeah. to a bunch of people around the situation. And, you know, so, hey, you know what happens in the NFL? There's a lot of change, uh, yes, unfortunately. There is. Yeah, yes, a there guy's is. been around for a long time. He has. He has. It's just, you know, it's, it's just kind of weird. Rich, let's go back to the beginning as we wrap up. Uh, If there is a 2020 season, our poll question is, will Jamal Adams be in the Jet uniform? What do you think? I did see your poll question a few minutes ago on Twitter, so I have to respond. Uh, You know, that's a a tough one. You know, We won't hold you to it. Yeah, I'm going to say, I mean, I, you know, all my sources are saying the Jets do not want to trade him. They have no intention of trading him. Uh, they have all the leverage. We know that. But, you know, I'm going to say, uh, you know, I, that's a tough one. I, I'm going to say probably won't be on the team, mm-hmm. but only by a, like a 55 to 45 margin. I mean, it's it's really a tough call at this situation. I mean, look, it's June. There's yeah, a lot of exactly. things that is going on here. There's, a, there's three months to go before the season starts, when we think it'll start. And, a lot could happen. I mean, a lot could happen. I mean, is Jamal Adams really going to sit out the entire season? You know, if he's if he if it comes to that, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to sit out and pull a Le'Veon Bell. I just don't think that because Le'Veon knew by doing that he was going to be a free agent with Jamal. He could right. sit out and he'd be in the same position next year. True. So I I don't. It's a really tough call. I hate to be on the on the no, fence no, no. on it, but no, it's okay. But it's a tough. It's a tough, uh, it's a tough situation, and uh, we'll see. Like I said, great test for Joe Douglas to see how he handles such a public situation with a, a premier player. And what makes it so tough, Rich, is 
he's it's one of your homegrown guys, and that sends a lot of you know a message in the locker room. If you don't sign your homegrown guys, sometimes you know it it, it causes some it causes some concern with 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 guys you have, especially Rich, when you consider that a lot of the Jets drafts have not been great. No, they've stunk recently. Jamal's <laughs> the best player. He's the best player they've drafted since Darrell Revis. There's no That's question right. about that. Yeah. I talked to C.J. Mosley about, a, I don't know, about a month ago, and I asked him about Jamal trade rumors. And his exact words, he goes, it would be crazy to trade Jamal. He goes, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and I think a lot of players on the team, especially on the defense, would agree that it would be crazy. That That's their perspective on it. But, uh, you know, the team may feel differently. You know, they have to look out for the long-term interests of the team. My feeling always is, I mean, you want to keep your best players happy. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's, you know, you just want to do stuff to keep your best players happy, to create a winning culture. The Jets obviously have been trying to create a culture for a long time. It hasn't happened. And so something like this doesn't help matters. It's going to be interesting. It really is. And we're not done by a long shot. We're not uh, this done. This is going to go. We're, we're going on here for a while, Larry. We could, have, we could be having this conversation two, two or three months from now. No question. Rich, continue the great work, and we'll be checking out the podcast on uh, on the flight deck on ESPN.com. Thanks for a couple of minutes. You bet, Larry. Take care. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.